Bellevue Church, developing a culture of loving Christ and serving others. Turn to the person next to you and say, God has been good to me. How about you? Psalm 118, 5 says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. What a wonderful thing that we get to celebrate. Amen? How many of you had a wonderful Thanksgiving? Are you enjoying the cold weather that God has blessed us with? And have you been enjoying shoveling the driveway again and again? And God's just building those muscles up, keeping you healthy and strong. That's what He's doing. And uh, hey, listen, we had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, it was one of our, and I would say that for us personally, it was our best Thanksgiving we've ever had, uh, as far as Katie and I go. Um, it was fun just to watch the kids in our backyard. They've got a little, just a little hill. Boy, they take advantage of that. You know, kids that are like 10 and under, boy, that's just like having gold in the backyard. A little bit of a hill, and we're in the uh, window, or watching them sled, and they're out there for hours. You know when your, your snow clothes get soaked? And kids are funny. They don't care. They come in for five minutes, and then they want to go back out, but they're, you know, they're wearing these like wet gloves, and their boots smell, and they're just like, it makes me uncomfortable just looking at you, you know, because they're sopping wet. It was great. I, it was just such a fun time, and um, I'm just so thankful that uh, God blesses us with uh, certain moments in our lives, and this last Thanksgiving was a moment that Katie and I just continually reflect on, um, even just recently, just to say, man, God is just so good, you know, and just to stop and slow down, and I think is a good thing for Thanksgiving and for this season, and hopefully as a church, we're reminded, and when you come to services, you're reminded to just stop and just slow down because things are just going to get busier and just think about God's goodness in our lives. Amen. Um, I'll give you a little bit of a church update as far as property. We are in this all-in giving initiative, and I'm excited uh, for how God has just kind of prepared us to get to this point, how he's prepared um, boy, uh, strategically has placed us in a position to get um, five acres on 2700 North, the most beautiful piece of property, redrew up the boundaries for us, gave us double frontage road uh, 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 visibility, and has given us so so many blessings beyond what we could think of or ask. He already gave it to us. And we are in this uh, spot as a church where we are really, at the moment, of purchasing property. Now, it's sooner rather than later. So we've started this all-in initiative, and right now, in a few days, potentially, if everything works out right, we'll be signing papers for this property. It's pretty amazing. Um, and God has kind of blessed us with some windows of opportunity to be able to do this and um, be able to save, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We're, we're in saving mode and also down payment mode and, and planning for the future and all this sort of stuff all in one. It's, it, I'm constantly saying, God, um, help me <laughs> because there's just so much going on and so many blessings, really. I mean, the opportunity now is, is perfect. I mean, the harvest is ripe, and I think God sees that as an urgency in his uh in this community with our friends and neighbors and being at the this perfect spot on 2700 north north is nothing short of a miracle um i mean i could go into all of that how it was a miracle by just starting that this property that we're 
purchasing right now wasn't even for sale. So go figure, you know, and the blessings just kept going on from there and there. Uh, so mark on your calendars, December 29th. What we're going to do is we're going to do something totally special and unique in our church. And I didn't mention this at the first, but you guys get to hear this is that December 29th is a Sunday that we are um, praying and believing and um, just going to invest uh, together as a church uh, into this project that uh, is in front of us of reaching and influence and um, expanding our uh, growth into the community by taking up an offering on December 29th. And we're asking that, hey, uh, sell that old fridge or that uh, game console or something that you don't use and bring that to the storehouse and let's, let's give that um, over to God and we'll see what happens. You'll see the thermometer at the back. We are at like 45%. We've raised $70,000 of our $150,000 goal and we are really, um, is it on the screen? Nice. And uh, we're really believing and praying that God will come through and make this work and man, we, we are a church. We're a people of faith. Amen. And I'm so thankful to be a church that uh, understands the value of not just hearing the word, right, but being doers and being uh, active in our faith. And it requires faith to move mountains. And there's a big mountain (laughs) in front of us. And, uh, you know, we say nothing's too difficult with God, especially if we're all together in agreement. Amen. And that's where we're at. And so uh, let's just keep that in prayer. Keep our church in prayer as we move forward in unity and with vision, and with purpose and mission. It's a very, very awesome, if I can use that word, I think I can at that point, place to be because God is doing the groundwork for the future right now through you. It is specific at this time and this moment that there's a preparation for a miracle in somebody's life that will be impacted forever through what we are doing right now. So good. Amen. Um. As we have uh, talked and kind of talked about, this is not about property, this is not about building, but this is about creating a place for people to have an experience with God, um, together in worship like we just had, hearing the word of God, uh, presenting the name of Jesus, that it is the only name we find rescue, we find salvation, it is through Him that we find hope and healing. And some of us... um, you know, we may be struggling. How do we do this personally in our lives? And there's a call for all of us to go and make disciples of all nations. And, um, you know, it can happen very easily through the people that you know and through uh, natural conversations. And God will supernaturally speak through natural conversations many times. And so I've asked uh, uh, Christy Morphin to share just a little bit about what God is doing through her conversations at work. So let's give Christy a warm welcome as she comes forward. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate that. And uh, your, your sensitivity to God moving in your circle of influence. And that's all of us, isn't it? All of us have somebody that uh, we can share with. And just, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be very simple. And God will take the simplicity of our words and speak something profound. Amen. Uh, this last Wednesday, uh, I went out hunting with my brother Paul and Pastor Sam from Tree Mountain. Some of you remember him uh, as he came and spoke. And I love being out in cold weather. 
I know that some of you have rebu- rebuked me when I said I'm praying for colder weather when it gets cold. And um, you're praying for the opposite, such as uh, Shar Otto says, I will be praying against your prayer, so of that. But I, I enjoy the cold. I love being out in the elements. I don't like being cold, but I like being in the elements and being warm. Does that make sense? Hopefully we get that. But in duck hunting, you, you get the right gear. You get the, uh, the, the, the coats and all that stuff. You, you're, you're toasty warm. And Anyways, my brother Paul and I, we, we took Pastor Sam out to uh, go out in the boat. It was a perfect day for boating. It was snowing. It was like... <laughs> The wind was blowing the snow sideways, and all of you duck hunters know that that's the day to go out. So we loaded up the boat, we went out, and we're riding out there, and, and ice is forming on our eyebrows. It was perfect. We throw out the, the decoys, and the decoys, it was sitting out there for a while, and the, the ice was forming around the decoys. And so we would have to break out the ice around the decoys, and, and uh, you would hear the, the ducks flying over, you'd hear the whistle of their wings, but you wouldn't be able to see them because the cloud cover was so low. Um, it was just one of those epic days that are just memorable, and you just have a lot of fun. But we did end up getting pretty wet. Um, on the way back, I was drenched to the bone. I had two layers of coats on, and I was just, I began to get really cold, especially on the way, um, on the boat ride back, because the wind was just penetrating through. So it was, was it got pretty miserable uh, for a moment there. And then when we got to the, uh, the docking or the boat launch the area, I got out. I went to start my truck. I'm shivering. Start the truck and close the door. Come back, load up the boat, go to the truck. And I pull on the door, and the door was locked. And that truck looked so warm on the inside. I'll flag my brother down. He's like driving away, and I'm, I'm running after him and Pastor Sam and, and finally stopped them, and I... Used the phone because my phone, my wallet, of course the keys were in the truck. I had nothing, and that was like an emergency scenario. Luckily, I caught him and called Joey and uh, was able to get the keys back to me. And boy, that was a good moment when I had my spare set of keys to unlock uh, the door to, to, uh, to get into my truck. Um, and it's funny, I had this illustration written into my sermon, and I kid you not, it's been like, like three days that I've lost my keys um, I just have been that way. How many of you lost your keys before and it's like frustrating? How many of you lost your keys while you're like running and rushing to get out the door? Have you ever been there and you're like, okay, I'm freaking out, Lord. I need you to answer some prayers. And, uh, you, you know, God's really working on you. That's how you really find out if you're a true Christian, right? <laughs> so these, this, this like other person comes out of you when you're trying to find your keys, you can't find them. And you know right where they put them. Going any further, have you ever set your keys down to turn around only to come back and it's gone like in an instant? Am I the only one? Thank the Lord that I'm not the only one. Um, but it shows us how important the keys are. Let me, can you throw me my keys? I, it was funny this morning. I had this illustration of keys and I didn't have them in my pocket. And she had to go get them because I didn't know where they were. Um, but something specific about the keys is... Uh, that they play a certain role, don't they? I mean, if you've got the keys in your pocket right now, uh, you know you've probably got more than just one key. This is my truck key, and that starts my car. No, it starts my truck and my truck only. It's designed for a specific purpose, a, d- a certain use, and a, uh, a, a, the, the only purpose that it serves is for that one action. I've got the key to my house, and that will open the lock on my house. I've got the key to the church, and that's on here. And then I've also got this key that I have literally no idea 
what it goes to. But I know it's important because it's on there. Do you have one or two of those? You just don't know, but you're hanging on to it because just in case you remember, it's on there. We have certain keys that we carry around with us that are important because they serve a purpose and an action that helps us in our daily life. Now, there's a other set of keys that aren't tied to your key ring that you hold in your pocket. There is a key that is just as important, but it's what Jesus calls the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And he's given every single one of us keys to the kingdom of heaven. And you and I have been given that by Jesus. Now, Jesus told Peter this, that he, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But when he tells Peter this in Matthew 16, he's telling Peter and us by extension, uh, communicating to us what you have been given. So let me just read this one verse to start out with. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And if you stopped right there and we're to meditate on God's word, and if you were to meditate on this verse and apply that to your life this week and just allow the Holy Spirit to just stir in your heart what this actually means, it's pretty powerful of what he's given you. And if we can conceptualize and almost visualize Jesus handing over those keys. Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be done in heaven, will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but that starts to begin to challenge the way that I think of this life that we live in and the purpose and the authority what God has given us. If you have a key, it means that you have a certain authority in your life, right? Remember those janit janitorial keys where it's on the string, some of you may still have it, but you've got a big clump on there, and it's just like, that guy's got authority, right? <laughs> He's got some power attached to his belt clip there. And it's true. This key represents power in a certain degree. Now, if I give you this key to my truck, I have now given you the authority or the privilege to drive my truck. You've got permission. You've got the right. It's yours. You go do it. If I give you the key to my home, you have permission to enter my home anytime you want. You've got the authority. You've, I'm not calling the cops. You come and go as you please. It's yours. You get to enter this. It's almost like this is your place now. This is your space. If I give you keys or a key to the church building, I have just given you the permission to clean the church bathrooms. I mean, simple as that. Whenever you want, come and go. The keys that Jesus talked to Peter about serve two purposes, did they not? We just read this. We're going to break it down. It's very simple. Je Jesus gave us, or Peter, the keys to lock and unlock things. He's talking about the spiritual realm. And whatever you do spiritually here will be done in heaven, Correct. And he says, whatever you bind or bound or lock up will be done in heaven. Whatever you loose or loosen or unlock on earth will be done in heaven. And that's exactly what Peter did. Jesus gives him the keys and Peter begins to unlock heaven on earth. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's power falls upon that upper room. 
And this new thing started to happen where all the apostles began to speak in other languages that they had never spoken in before. And there's a crowd that began to gather outside that room and they can hear in their own language, their own dialect, with, with, with perfect inflection and perfect uh, language that was speaking to them. And it was in different uh, people that were, were hearing their own language, their own la- native language. And that, they, that day, they were, they were confused on what was happening. Guess who stood up to speak? It was Peter. Now, this man was not perfect at all. In fact, his walk with God and walk with Jesus and, and his uh, commitment to Jesus was a little shaky. I mean, he was the one that denied Christ when Christ needed him the most. And he even told him he's going to do it. He said, I'll never reject you, Lord. I'll never deny you. And he's the one that did it. And when we were at that dungeon in Israel, boy, I can't imagine how Jesus must have felt. But then Jesus says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And the Holy Spirit fell. And then he began to teach this sermon. He preached to the people. And he tells them in Joel chapter 4, this is what God's talking about. I'll pour out my spirit on young men and old men and women. And and my spirit will be alive in these days. And 3,000 people believed what Peter, Peter was saying. And they repented of their sins. And they were baptized in Jesus' name. Because Peter was willing to use the key to unlock and open a door. Several days later, Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, and they healed a crippled man, and the large crowd began to gather, and they began to teach and preach. And who was it? It was Peter. Peter unlocks that door, and he, and he un- unleashes heaven, as it were to say, on the people and the teaching and the understanding of what God's kingdom is really about. And as a result of Peter's boldness, the church grew to more than 5,000 people. And in Acts 10, Peter uh, is sent by God to a household, a Roman centurion. And again, a large crowd gathers. If Gentiles, they come together, they wanted to hear. And so they hear what Peter is saying. And everybody was baptized, those who were with him. And, and Peter was able to do some amazing things for the kingdom of God, because God gave him the keys. Jesus handed over the keys to the kingdom. And if you're like me, you're wondering, okay, why would Jesus give Peter the keys? I mean, specifically, he's talking to Peter, but he's also talking to all of us. But specifically at that moment, he tells Peter this in person. Now, why would he tell Peter and not somebody else? Well, this deserves really a simple answer. And I, I like it. I like not to overcomplicate things. Sometimes we can make things overcomplicated, but I think it's because Jesus knew that Peter would use them. He wouldn't lose them. He wouldn't hide it. He wouldn't forget what it's for, but he would use it. Again and again, God gives keys to people who would use the keys. Not just know that they exist, not just sit it on the table and say, yep, that's what that's for, and never use it, never put it into action, never drive away with it, but would say, oh, you know what? I'm going to stick this in the ignition, I'm going to turn this baby on, and I'm going to go forward. Peter was given the keys to open the doors of understanding of the crowd at Pentecost. And he opens the doors of healing for the crowd at the temple, and he opens the door of conversation at Cornelius' home. But Peter wasn't the only person given permission to bind, loose, lock, and unlock. A couple chapters later, 
in uh, chapter 18, jumping from first, uh, chapter 16 to verse, or chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus' disciples come to him and ask him, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? One of the most awkward conversations that Jesus had with his disciples, basically their pride is getting in the way and said, Lord, I, I want to be the best. I think I deserve a seat next to you. Who's going who's gonna to be elevated to the top of the kingdom here? Because I tell you what, I sure have done a lot, and I've got a lot of faith in you. For the next few verses, Jesus explains that the kingdom of heaven wasn't about personal gain or control or our power or our ability, but really it was about humility. Speaking to them, saying, hey, listen, you guys got it all wrong. You want to be first. But if you're wanting first, you're going to be last. If you really want to be a first, then you have to move yourself from thinking you're first and go to the last place. So I want to flip this on you guys. You're talking about the kingdom in a different way. Humility? Well, that spells out a, a whole lot of different attributes than pride does because you're, you're coming to me with pride and arrogance. Do you come with me humility? It's going to produce gentleness. It's going to produce kindness. It's going to produce love. It's going to produce... Uh, uh, an, an openness to receiving others without rejection. It's going to be a spirit about you that is full of humility. I love Mr. Rogers and especially the awareness of Mr. Rogers now uh, with the movie coming out. But three keys to success of what Mr. Rogers says is this. The first key to success is be kind. The second key to success is be kind. And the third key to success is to be kind. I love that, and I think that reflects a lot of what Jesus is telling the disciples. Is hey, listen, follow me. You're not going to look at your, your own agenda. You're going to look towards other people and their relationship with me. He says, listen, the kingdom of heaven is not about building your reputation or your self-importance. Guys, it's about bringing the missing sheep back to the shepherd. The kingdom of heaven isn't about revenge or ret retaliation or or, or getting back to those, at those who have offended you or offended God even. But about bringing enemies into a place where they find the blessings of peace with God and praying for them. And at the end of his teaching, Jesus told his followers, verse 18 through 20, he says, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He says again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. They had all authority to use those keys, and those keys to the kingdom of heaven were all about locking and unlocking things, and God has given all of us the keys. You see, we work together in the uniqueness of the design that fits to unlock one door that would unlock another door and together the body and the diversity of the keys that he's given us helps us to advance the gospel into areas that specifically you may not be able to go to because you just don't have that key but this person over here is able to unlock that door which unlocks another door that you're able to open or unlock so peter might have unlocked the door of pentecost but it was philip who opened the door for salvation in samaria and Paul and Silas, boy, they may have unlocked the most powerful prison ministry ever. But Timothy opened the doors of a church plant in Ephesus. 
Titus unlocked the door of opportunity by sending Paul a support letter, but Paul opened the door by gathering funds to give this church plant in Crete some funds. And since that day, many people have unlocked and opened the doors for millions of people to hear the powerful, life-changing message of God through the work, the demonstration of God's love, the forgiveness, the grace through His life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ. You and I have been given the keys to the kingdom. These keys may not be on your key ring, but you have been granted authority by the king and directed by the commander-in-chief to bind and to loose and to lock and to release. If we have the authority to unlock the doors for people to come to Christ, it also means that we have the responsibility. And I want to say that one more time because I just want this to settle in. I think what the disciples were feeling, the weight of this, and what Jesus was telling them, and, and, and the, the gravity of his words in that moment almost hits us home. And we need to be reminded that if we have been given the authority to unlock doors for people to come to Christ, it also means that we have the responsibility. I mean, to just settle it and say, this is our responsibility. And just like Peter, James, and John, and Paul, and Barnabas, and Silas, they had the same responsibility. And if you're like me, you're thinking to yourself, there's no way I could be a Paul. I can't measure up to him. There's no way I could be a Peter, a Barnabas, a Silas. There's no way I could be like this, them. And guess what? You're right. And God doesn't want you to be like them. He wants you to be you through him. And if you're like me, I'm thinking, man, those are big names, and I can't p compete with them. But here's the thing. Their keys were no bigger or no different than the keys that you have now. It's the same God, correct? It's the same Spirit. It's the same power. It's the same ability. It's the same name. And that name is Jesus. And that's the only name that they were able to do any work. So the name that they said is the same name that we say. And the same, the same Jesus that you learn about is the same Jesus they, they learned about. The same teachings, the same words, the same person of Jesus, the Godhood of Jesus, God in flesh, is the one that you, they believed in is the one that you believe in. So his power that resurrected him, he says, is my power that is in you is the same. And I wonder if the question comes to your mind and you say, I can't do this, Lord Jesus. There's got to be somebody else that's, that's better, that's different, that's more equipped. I, mean, I know that those disciples were way more equipped than I could ever be. But I tell you what, those disciples were more flawed. In fact, you dig into it a little bit, it makes you a little uncomfortable thinking, God, thank you that they're so flawed because it helps give me a chance to do this. I feel like I can do it. And I think that this worked when, when, when Jesus commissioned them to go right before he ascends into heaven he gives he gave them the keys and he said listen i want you guys to go i'm going to leave you here i want you to go and i want you to make disciples you've been my disciples now i want you to make disciples and i don't want you to just stay here i want to be in every nation and i want you to to me i want you to teach them everything that i've commanded you and how you've obeyed everything that i've said I want you to go, and I want you to know that I will be with you to the very end of the age. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to empower you. 
And I think that the disciples in that moment, they realized this is serious business. Because if he's not here to say something, if Jesus isn't here to just demonstrate, if Jesus isn't here to proclaim the good news, then it's left up to us. And these guys gathered around together like, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? And I think that the weight of the challenge of having the keys to the kingdom of heaven and to unlock the doors of heaven on earth became their responsibility, their commitment, and their conviction. And I wonder how much the church has lost its conviction. To simply just be bold and confident in God's word. And just say, you know what? I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel about me. I don't care if you hate me for this. Key to freedom in your life. Here, key and unlock it. And it's up to you if you're going to open it and see Jesus standing on the other side. Have we taken too much on ourselves to say, you know, I'm so, I do not want to offend. I don't want to pressure. I don't want to push. So much so that we have weakened the gospel so much that here's an opportunity. You can take it or leave it. And I think Jesus is saying to the church, listen, there's only one way. And you know that way. Here's the key. Who are you going to show it to? And if we're thinking about this in, in a real life. Because this is death and life stuff. We begin to see the importance of what Jesus has given us. He says, I've given you this key. It's meant for a specific purpose. It's for people to find me. The things, we've been given the keys. And there's a time limit. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to hold. That person that you're waiting to share for, for that perfect opportunity, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. If that person's going to make it through or not. The opportunity, I think what Jesus is saying, is here, now. And let the chips fall where they may. Not that you're mean about it, or aggressive about it, but you're speaking truth in love. And you've got this conviction that people need to hear a message that you have. And God is looking to you to share what you've learned, what he's taught you, what he's revealed to you. And forget about the answers that you don't know or the questions that you have. Start sharing about the answers that you've been given and what you do know. And don't let fear of what you don't know stop you from sharing what you do know. Here's the thing, is that Jesus has given you something through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness are all keys to open a window for the kingdom of heaven. People see the fruit of the Spirit authentically in your life that, that draws them to God in you. And they begin to ask questions, what is it that you have? You've got a peace in your life that is something totally different than your, than your circumstances because I would be a total wreck if I were you. You're like, listen, life's tough and I couldn't make it without God's peace in my life. But I know that, that by faith, God blesses me with a foundation that my life doesn't come crashing down when my finances get wrecked right before Christmas. That I don't total my car and I'm in total disarray. Or I get sick and I think that this is the worst thing in the world. Jesus said, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three come together in my name, or my purposes, there I am with them. I know that God is with us when we come together. And if we agree on what is out there, 
the mission that he has given to us, Northview Church, given to you and I, our body, that there is something specific that he wants to do in somebody's life that you haven't met yet. And the empty seats that you see around you are not meant to be empty, but they are reserved for a person that you know. And they will never come if you don't show. Show them the way. If you, they will never come if they don't know. They will never come to know Jesus if they don't hear the news of what Jesus came to do in their life. And that the name of Jesus isn't just some superficial name that you say, yeah, he's a good guy. But no, he is the healer and the restorer and the redeemer of people's broken, messed up lives. There are so many keys that God has given us. Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven authority to lock the door of Satan, to lock that so he can't move, he can't get out, so that fear doesn't come into the church and trepidation and intimidation. He says, I didn't give you, church, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. You're not going to win souls by your timidity, by being timid and shy and bashful. He said, you're going to go out and you're going to do my best work when you're unashamed of the gospel. He said, we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. You've been given a story to share, and you are given that key to go unlock so that someone else has a story that God is writing in their lives. And we have a story in our lives of God's goodness, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness, His provision, and His blessings, and everything that comes from that by the blood of the Lamb. Every good and perfect gift comes through the blood of the Lamb. Jesus has given you life and more abundantly. Circumstances come and go, but they don't do that roller coaster in your life anymore. Your life is stable because Jesus is your rock. And you could say that because you know it. And he is solidified in your and in your life that no matter what happens around you, inside there's a peace that is outside of the circumstances. And through his blood he heals us. He heals worry. He heals anxiety. He heals depression. He heals our mindset. He heals our soul. He heals our sin. He heals our brokenness. And He restores us. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, the weapons that we fight are not with the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Revelation says, I am the living one. Jesus declared, I am the living one. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. Who has the keys? It's Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he opened the gates through the key of his life. And the gates of hell cannot prevail against you because he's broken the power of sin that kept you there. And death is not your enemy because Jesus unlocked the grave. And the resurrection is yours because the power rests in the key of Jesus' resurrection. You and I have keys to this community. To your neighbor, to your family member, and to the people down the street desperately need what you have. You have something that was given to you as a gift to not harbor and hold and hide in secret, but to be movers and shakers into this community. That's why we're all in.
not because of a building, not because of a, pro a property, but because of the blessing that God has given you and me. And together, we have something to offer, and it's nothing on our, our, us. It's what's been given to us, and we give away. This church, it's not about us. It's for that community. You, not, and us together, giving what we have received. Amen? Let's stand together in agreement. Raise your hand if you have a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, whoever in your life needs this church in North Ogden. Who need to hear that God loves them and that there is rescue for their broken heart through the name of Jesus and Jesus' name only. Where we find grace, healing, and restoration. Amen? Well, let's pray in agreement together because we're two or three are gathered together in his name. Mountains are moved. Powerful things happen. His presence is with us always. Father, we get this church to you. We take the mission to go personally in our lives. The people that we have raised our hands for, we stand as intercessors that you will begin to do the work inside their heart and their soul and their mind. Prepare the soil in Jesus' name, let the words flow out of us. Your word flow out of us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Open up ears. Open up minds to be able to hear and receive and find joy through their salvation in you. God, we agree that there is work to be done. Lord, we are ready to do your work and make the most of our lives as we worship you every day and we bring people to you and let you do the work in jesus name we say together amen amen god bless you i am so thankful that we get to partner in ministry together we love you and i'm praying for your family for your friends and your co-workers in jesus name be blessed we'll see you next week Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Northview Church, please visit northviewutah.com.